This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of The Crowncast because it's Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, we do podcasts. Yeah, that was a reference. If you don't know what the reference was, if you don't know what reference I murdered, you're going to have to go find out. The internet is a vast and interesting place where you probably found this podcast and here to be vast and interesting with me this time is Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, hey, how's it going? I can't complain. I am also going to bring in Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Uh, Ewan, thank you very much for uh, taking some time to talk with us today. No, Justin. Uh, Justin needed a break. He needed to get out. He needed to see the world. We've been keeping him locked up for too long, and uh, I think he needed the oxygen. So thank you so much for filling in for him. And I think we get right into it. Sounds good. Uh, so obviously we're now in the part of the year where we don't really have the sort of consistent flow of of things happening, and we get to not talk about football, and instead we get to talk about everyone's favorite thing, and that is transfers, what everybody always wants to talk about in football. Uh, sometimes I genuinely think that there is more like hype and discussion and care about the team in the time that it's all in chaos and we're looking at who's coming in and who might go out than there is during the actual season when we're playing the games. Uh, but that's what we have. So that is what we are going to talk about. Uh, there have been some big pieces of news, but the biggest piece of news is right now the preseason has begun and the team is down in Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, Florida in order to go to a training camp. Our best understanding of this is that it is in fact a training camp. They're probably going to go down there. They're probably going to kick a lot of soccer balls, they're probably going to play some interesting drills. Uh, but if you want to follow the training camp, we recommend go see Charlotte FC's media itself. And hopefully we get some cool shots out of there. And hopefully they learn to post better photos than the ones they've posted so far. Uh, Josh, I, I know for a fact you have seen this one of Ben Bender they've posted. They murdered your boy. <laughs> they, I don't know w w what photographer was out there and thought that was a good photo to post. I, I, there's a part of me that's like, hey, did they take like a hundred photos of Ben Bender and this is the best one they could find? <laughs> um, if you have not seen the photo of Ben Bender, please go find it on the internet. In fact, if you haven't seen the photo of Ben Bender, we will post it. Uh, you can find it on our social media because I, we just have to share this. Uh, it's one of those, it's one of those, it's not a good photo. It's really bad. Oh. Oh. I... I had the terrible, terrible thought that like maybe Ben Bender was uh, using some interesting substances in his time off. <laughs> it was it was a similar thought for mine. It was also like, do they not like Ben Bender? Are they trying to like get some dirt on him or set him up for failure? Because for one of your brightest young stars, this is not the look that you want to be to be going for um it's not the hair the hair you know ben's grown it long it's just sort of whatever's going on with that face in that picture looks a bit rough looks like he's had a few two nights too many nights out yeah like like maybe he was drinking for three or four nights in a row before the actual trip down to fort lauderdale i don't know um but everybody else looks bright and shiny and happy i mean i think they had a picture of uh, andre shinishiki in there and he looks happier than anyone has a right to be considering the fact that he will never play soccer again. Um, I think we move along. I think we we say anything we get out of that training camp, we'll touch on next week. 
And right now we move to uh, the man of almost literally the hour, and that is Enzo Capetti. And he's the man of the hour. He's the man of the week. He's the man of the month. He's the man of the last two months. Um, he's the man of the transitional year because we've been talking about him forever. Josh, do you know when the Capetti rumor started? I feel like it was a f just a couple weeks after the season like ended. It had to have been October, November when these things like the rumors popped up. And I feel like it was at the very least mid-November or so there were like reports of like, this is going to happen type of thing. So it's been a couple months, it feels like. Yeah, and I guess that, um, you know, not all deals happen immediately, but the way this was originally reported was like it was done. And there's a part of me that uh, I honestly thought for a little while in there that, that this was all fabricated, that we'd talk to the guy like once, and then we just shut down and not talk to him again. He wasn't even in our considerations for a little while. And then it came back again. And now finally, today, as we are recording, it was posted something like four or five hours ago. Uh, he is officially a Charlotte FC player. Uh, he's posted some comments online that says he is uh, made a bold statement that he's excited to take Charlotte FC to the top. Um, good luck to you, sir. That is a that is a hefty, hefty task. But if you are capable of taking Charlotte FC to the top, we will all be right there with you and behind you. You have heard from Josh about this player. You have heard from me about this player. And you've heard from Justin about this player. So we're going to give you a new voice and possibly a new opinion. And we're going to talk to you and you. And can you give us your thoughts on Enzo Capetti now that he is officially a Charlotte FC player? Yeah, I mean, well... First of all, you mentioned how long this has kind of been in the general Charlotte FC conversation. I just gave it a quick search here um, using Topbin, which is obviously, you know, a main source for uh, Charlotte FC news. And and the first mention of, of Capetti with us is the 19th of October, 2022. Oh, so <laughs> It was before Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> so oh this has been, yeah, this is, and I mean, it's a, you know, a fairly standard tweet saying, you know, shall are interested in, uh, you know, 26-year-old Enzo Capetti and, you know, club hasn't made an official offer, et cetera, et cetera. But that's how long this has been going on for, um, which shows how interested the club have been in the player um, to the fact that it's taken so long uh, for this to get done. Uh, but in, t in terms of the player himself, um, I, I think personally I am... Um, more optimistic generally listening to you guys about what he can be for the team um then definitely justin is i know he's he's very skeptical um he's up you know he he hopes it as well but is is quite skeptical um i think this is a, a real real top level signing as a number nine i think this is exactly what um christian latanzio wants out of a striker I know he's not been a head coach for very long and he has no history of being a head coach anywhere else. So it's hard to decipher his play style. But from what I've seen from what Charlotte were under him and comparing it to similar teams um, who play that style, he is exactly what you would think he would want out of a number nine in terms of just staying out of dropping deep in a possession-based side and using his movements so much to create spaces for other players and create opportunities for himself. Um, I and, and that is probably why the club was so, so set on, on signing him, because the fit is so perfect. 
and in that tweet that Top Bin tweeted out, it mentions that Atlanta United were there as well. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if if we just kind of, you know, budged them out of the way because he was so perfect for us. And it was like, listen, we'll 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 go to the wayside on some players and keep to our evaluation. But with this guy, he is so perfect for what we want to do. We can't lose out on it. Um, he he just fits in so well. His his movement, um, the fact that we are from what we've seen so far with Latanzio, we want to play with the ball wide and he can attack spaces towards the goal. The fact that he can hang back and attack the spaces that defenses defenses leave. The fact that he can read defenses and show them what you know they're giving him. Pretty much, I'm really excited for this signing and. I think other people should be too. And it, from what it looks like on Twitter, it, it seems like people are really excited. And yeah, it'll be exciting to watch him in the preseason. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the position here where I've had enough time to look at this that I'm not... Maybe I've lost the new shiny on this player. Or maybe just in my brain, I've already considered him a you know a player for the crown, for the Queen City for so long now that it doesn't feel new. I think, you know, you hit on some things that are are really good there. The first of which being, it's pretty clear to see how this guy fits into our team. He's a number nine. He moves defenses around. He finds holes. He makes good runs. He likes to take shots um, uh, quickly. He likes to run onto balls. Uh, he's fairly good in the box. He likes to use his head. He is a really, really effective, I think, number nine in a fairly traditional high-speed game sense. Um, I have some concerns that the number nine is now a position that across the best teams in the world has to be one of those position-and-a-half players, has to be one of those guys who can do more than just get the ball in the back of the net. And I think we saw with Carol Swiderski that doing the position and a half player is hard. Um, I think we saw Carol attempt to do the other stuff associated with being a number nine and kind of let the, the goal threat and the get the ball in the back of the net just slip kind of away and ended up being a player in a quarter, but the quarter of a player he let go was the goal scoring. I'm interested to see if Enzo Capetti comes in and they've told him, Hey, you're one player. You're not out here to emulate uh, anybody else. You're not out here to to pretend to try and be Gabriel Jesus from Arsenal. You're not out here to play in the midfield. You're here to score goals. And I think that that mentality in this league might do him pretty well. Uh, Josh, real quick, any thoughts on this? Yeah, my my thoughts are just I'm... I'm always hesitant of players when I don't know their their full track record. And because of the way the lower levels of Argentinian soccer is followed, at least the access that I have, I haven't seen a lot of that, right? So last year was a very good year for him. Um, I trust this scouting department. They've earned my trust with some of the players they've identified. And to sort of piggyback off of Ewan's point, what this feels like to me is that they looked at Daniel Rios and they said, we want that type of player, but we want someone that can do it better than Daniel can. Um, and that's my hope for for Enzo. I know in his press conference today, he said the club you know, wants him to be a traditional number nine and score goals. And if he's following that path, and like you said, Logan, not trying to do a player and a half's job, 
I think that would be very helpful for us. Um, I'm excited. I always get excited for it. I, I want to see, you know, I won't really be making a judgment probably for a few months about this, but I'm hoping he gets off to a flying start. And I think, you know, that's what you do as a fan. See, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm the opposite of you. I think I'm more towards the we're going to have to render judgment on this guy relatively quickly uh, because he's not being asked to do the midfield stuff. Um, you know, we'll get on later how the midfield stuff looks like it's intended to be solved, but he is being asked to score goals. He is being asked to be the guy who puts the ball in the back of the net. And admittedly, that is what, well, some people say defense wins games, but that is what gets the the points on the board and gives you the chance to win games. I I think he needs to get in and score. I'll be really honest with you, with his injury record, with him coming off of an injury, with him coming into a league with a lot of people who don't have a lot of visibility into his background. Like you said, he's only really kind of got one good season under his belt. I think if he comes in and he scores a goal in his first two games playing, if they're starting, obviously, if he comes in and he's not ready to play yet and he ends up getting you know 15 minutes at the end of games for a little while, this is different. But if he's starting matches, I think he needs to score in inside of three games. And after that, I think it buys him time. But I think if he doesn't score inside of three games, there's going to be a lot of a lot of questions start to bubble up quicker than maybe we would have seen with Carroll. Um, and that's not to say if he doesn't score in three games, you know, he's bad, get him out of here. He might kick on at five games. But I think he makes his path to success a lot easier on him by kicking the monkey early. Um I think that's kind of where we're going to leave it with Enzo Capetti. Uh, obviously, he is now a part of Charlotte FC. He's 26. He's in his prime. He should be coming in ready to absolutely demolish people. And uh, we want to see him demolish people. Uh, we're bringing in another player. And Josh, I'm going to go over to you for this one. Uh, would you tell us about Ashley Westwood? And then I will have uh, you and Phil from his side. Yeah, so so Westwood is a uh, defensive-minded midfielder coming over from Burnley. He is hugely experienced he's had time at aston villa um i think he spent the last i don't know six or seven years at burnley um by all accounts uh, a really good passer of the ball to be honest with you you know i i watch a lot of premier league i don't necessarily try to watch burnley um they're they even when they were up they were not the most attractive football to be watching um and he plays a role that is sort of one where you have to be looking out for him to sort of see him um because you know that's he he's doing a role that's not meant to necessarily get on the scoreboard um i think that this is a good signing for us the big question mark around him is he's coming back from a pretty severe injury and so that'll be really i think what determines how well this signing goes for us if he's fully healed i think he is going to immediately come in and be a difference maker if he's not i think we're going to have a lot of question marks about what the front office was doing with this yeah i think my thoughts on ashley westwood are if he comes back healthy and obviously we're going to talk here in a little bit about the fact that both these players are coming back from injury if he comes back healthy i think this league is going to seem really slow to him um, you know, you talked about uh, his his play in the Premier League and sort of one of his roles was to be able to progress the ball out of a congested Premier League slash championship side field uh, and on to, to players on running towards the goal. 
And he did a pretty good job of it to my knowledge. So there is a part of me that thinks he's not going to have to be the most mobile if he slides into that six uh, slot. He can kind of let, whether it's Brant Bronico or Carol Swiderski, do the running around him while he marshals the field. And then he can sort of just be the guy that is pinging passes and and really creating ball progression. Um, Ewan, I'm going to go over to you for this one. You live in the place where the Premier League is. What can you tell us about about Westwood? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely second the point of his injury recovery being a massive caveat to any kind of, you know, contributions he'll make because it was a serious injury. It 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 was one of those where it's, you know, as soon as the injury happens, he looks down at his leg and he's, you know, shepherding people over to help and the players around him can't even bear to look at it. It's it was a really gruesome one. So it will be a big deal how he recovers from it. But obviously I'll I'll speak on this assuming that he gets back to close enough um where he was beforehand. Um and also a point I'll make is that when players assigned from, you know, sort of top five leagues and places like that, a lot of fans will go to their FB ref to see, you know, get a good idea of, of what the player is like. If you go to Ashley Westwood's FB ref, just in reference to what um, Josh was saying, <laughs> don't be too don't be too startled by what you see because it's very Burnley style of play influenced. It's a lot of red in terms of passes and in terms of pass completion and everything like that because that is a style that he's had to play for the last few years in that team. So don't see that as a reflection on the player. See that as a reflection on the play style um, and, and don't be too alarmed by it. But to get into the player himself, um, it's an interesting one because he is definitely a defensive-minded player, but I do think that in this team, what we've seen so far from Latanzio is the 4-1, 4-1 was very popular and the 4-2-3-1 was very popular. And obviously, both of those um, formations involve you know, a, a, a single pivot or a double pivot, but in both of them, there is a definitive stick who does the majority of the defensive work. And I don't actually see Westwood fitting into being the 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 midfielder doing the majority of that work in in either system. In a four one four four one, say that again, four one four one. I see him being one of the two midfielders advanced beyond the one. And in a four two three one, I see him being the more progressive midfielder of the two, next to a six. Um, I think he's played for Burnley and before that a little bit for Aston Villa. The most part of that that's relevant indicates that he's going to be someone who's going to be playing a little bit more forward and in positions to play a little bit more progressively. Um, and that's because, as was touched on earlier by you guys, his passing is really good. He's a really good passer. And also with that, I think as an athlete, though he's not necessarily fast, um, he is quick to the ball. What I mean by that is that long distances, covering spaces, not great. That's more for a six. That's someone who, if we're going to play a possession-based style and get people up in the front area of the field, you want a six to be someone who can cover areas if we're being counter-attacked. That might not be, that, that's not ideal for Westwood. He's not very quick over long spaces. Um, but where he is quick is just, you know, those little areas where the ball will get loose. And it's almost the players who are the smartest 
who can get to those balls quicker because they know where the ball's falling and they can be quick and sharp onto it. I think a combination of that, the passing that I mentioned, um, he'll be someone who will be more like an eight than a six. See, I'm and gonna to... I'm gonna hop in and I'm actually gonna disagree with you. The way I see him fitting into this is in that that first one of the four one four one. And you know, this is this is the great thing is we can talk about it because I'd 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 love to see how you're bouncing this off. I don't think Charlotte FC is going to be able to play the super high pressing style that you see in the Premier League. I don't think it it's gonna be possible. Um so I don't think he's gonna have to cover I don't think he's gonna have the role of like um he's going to be sitting on on the midline while we have the ball usually in in the offensive zone and he's going to have to be worried about running back in duels i think he's going to be sitting just you know 10 yards outside of our box and he's going to be our outlet ball i feel like he looks like the type of player who's going to come in and be stable with the ball at his feet and as we get turnovers either in the midfield or we win them back in defense is going to be the first guy that people look up to and go, can I get it to him so he can break us free into the next phase of play? Do you feel like he would work if we were sitting deeper or do you still see him further into that eight role? I, I, mean, I think I think those both of those roles can, can coexist in the way that we play. I think that Latanzio's style is it's I'll call it slow but not slow in a bad way. I mean it's it's possession based we're very happy to kind of you know be you know build things at our own pace and i think that that means that we can have a situation where in build-up phases we have the four we spread out we get the fullback fairly high up he didn't want them too high up he'd bring them inside in more advanced situations and the six sits in and then if everybody's marked up westwood can drop in and receive the ball i don't think that juxtaposes the idea that once we progress the ball further up the field westwood can be a little further up than what our six would be, which would be Jones or Bronico, just because they have, you know, uh, I think for Westwood, he'd be a little bit better at playing those passes, you know, those those 10, 15 yard passes that need to be really crisp and need to be really perfect into the zones that they're going in. Um, so mm. I, 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 I don't, I, I, could, I understand what, I understand what you're saying. And I think that there's a good chance that, we do potentially end up playing a four-two-three-one, where both the two sit quite deep. Um, but I think in an ideal world, what we would want is that four-two-three-one, where Bronico or Jones is the definitive six, and Westwood is being given not the freedom because he's not, you know, a ten. There's still going to be some discipline to what he does, but the freedom to kind of operate in those you know, middling areas to connect the play going forward because, and, and this is the main reason why I say this, I think that's what we struggled with most under Latanzio last season, connecting the defensive side to the attacking phase in possession moments. You're, you're not alone in that. I mean, if you, if you look over at my notes here, you, you, you can't see them, unfortunately, but Josh can, so he can, he can prove to you that what I'm about to say is facts. I have written in my next thing to talk about the effect of ball progression. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So I I think this is a pretty important thing. And Josh, uh, before we move into how this sort of squad building really deep dives, do you want to add anything into this? Where do you see him? Do you see him fitting more in the six? Do you see him in like a free roaming eight? 
What are you thinking? You know, I I just have to be honest. I don't feel like I know enough about the player to to accurately say. I will say I think Ewan's point about having someone who is a bit of a crisper passer closer to the opponent's goal that does excite me because as much as I like Bronico, the one area, or not the one area, but there is a there is a little bit of, I think of a weakness with his passing when it comes to those tight spaces and later in the year when we were pushing him further further up the pitch his energy is great but i don't think he was replicating the performances he had earlier when he was a little bit deeper um so that does intrigue me i again i I think i'm just gonna have to see the the player the bottom line for me though is the passing is what i want there there hasn't been enough of it from our midfield or from the entire team um and so wherever he slots in that's what i'm most excited to see is someone who can take a hold of that midfield and find good passes yeah that's absolutely true i mean we we will move on to sort of uh the effect of of this as it knocks into the team the first thing i'm going to say is really really quickly uh i'm going to get your guys's opinion on this squad building mentality from charlotte fc because i think we all have ways that we've been around the game a long time we prefer to be see a a a battle ready squad built charlotte fc has taken an interesting approach of choosing very young highly talented players and choosing ready or past prime players who are a bit of a risk in coming back from injury Almost everything we have seen Charlotte FC sign fits into one of those two categories. And the big pieces of this window, you know, specifically Hamidi Diop, Ashley Westwood, and Enzo Capetti, all fit into that young player like Ben Bender, who in a couple of years could be, you know, really lighting the world afire, or bit of a gamble on a player who looks like they could be really good, but there's a risk they're coming back from injury. Josh, real quick on this, because I don't want to take up too much time on it. Do you see this strategy working for Charlotte FC? And if not, how would you do it different? Um, so I'm actually, I'm a fan of this strategy, specifically when sort of money is an issue. Um, with MLS and with there being a cap, but also all the other ridiculous rules that, MLS imposes on itself with DPs and TAM and GAM and everything like that. It's a little less in this league. I will always prefer younger players who have talent and can develop into something over more established players. I think that this, I think that it makes sense right now where Charlotte is as an organization and as a club to go hard for young talent and then try to basically buy low on players who are coming back from injury. Um, I'm sure that there were other teams interested in Capetti or Westwood um, who may have been scared off or a little hesitant because of those injuries. And maybe that allows Charlotte to come in and, and get those guys. And you are taking a risk, but I think it's a risk that's that's worth taking. Um, I think it can work. There's always going to be you know, issues for certain teams. I, I kind of see it as what okay, we we joked with uh, Justin when we found out he wasn't going to be able to come here today that uh, we we're just going to turn this into an Arsenal podcast. And I'm going to do that. 
Um, I do think about how Arsenal oh. has built their squad. I'm going to let you do that to an extent, but I am going to cut you off if it gets to Arsenal. No, no, that's fine. Really, it's just the point that um, Arsenal built their squad with young players and then fleshed it out with players like Party. But then you can also look at a team like Wolves, who have a decently young squad that they tried to flesh out with older players, and it hasn't worked. Um, I think it's a viable uh, way to do it, and I actually think it, it's making a lot of sense right now for this club. Yeah, I mean, I think the two the two older players coming in are win now players, um, and I do think that there is an element of that that is needed in the MLS. Um, I think Charlotte FC as a brand, as a club, needs a you know they don't necessarily need to win the league, although that would be really nice. Um, they need to put on a good show. I don't think as young as they are, they can just say, hey, in four years, we might be really good because two young players go supernova. And the the truth is, you know, we've been around in this game long enough that we like seeing young players because we know that in three years they could go supernova. You know, there are players out there that the sky is genuinely not the limit. The sky is where they start. And we like to see those players grow and develop and become something really special. I think one of the challenges of that in the MLS is if they do reach those heights, they probably aren't going to stay at Charlotte FC for that time when they are world beaters, right? They're probably going to move on into a little bit more established leagues. So for the win now aspect, I can understand this strategy. And the fact that I can understand it and then I look at it and I say that is intelligent, it makes sense. We, we can break this down into a way that clearly has design impresses me because believe it or not, I see a lot of recruitment strategies out there in the world that genuinely look like somebody called up a guy and another guy said, I know a player and they never talked to anybody else and they just took that player. Um, so the fact that I don't know that I'll ever say the club has earned my, my trust in recruitment. I think they earn the benefit of the doubt, but I do keep seeing relatively smart transfer business and strategy and ideas with some very notable exceptions. Uh, so this one, I, I actually kind of like what I'm looking at. Would I do it a little differently? Maybe I'd go younger. Um, maybe I wouldn't be putting that into 32 year old, uh, just coming off of an injury, but if he can get it done, he's the player out there. And when we have to give them the benefit of the doubt that they've, they found that you and do you want any any say in this one real quick? Um, yeah, I think it basically our, our recruitment strategy, I tend to like quite a lot. I think that we're smart in what we do um, across the board in terms of the way, you know, we approach recruiting young. We obviously have an emphasis on that as far as the draft goes. I think that's smart. Um, I think positionally where we recruit is something which I'd like to touch on mainly because we have mentioned a few times the fact that we have a lot of wingers in the yes. team. Um, and we none of have... them play on the right. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Uh, <laughs> that's, that's Don't disrespect Mackenzie Gaines. <laughs> and one of them plays on the right. Exactly. We have the uh, we have the one right winger, and obviously a lot of um, players who 
probably favoured to be on the left. You know, it, it, it's like a lot of them. It's like, oh, they can play either side. And then when push comes to shove, it's like, actually, they, they would prefer to, to play on the left, which, um, you know, seems to be a trend has become a bit of a running joke with us guys. Um, but just to, just to touch on the fact that we obviously recruit a lot of wingers, um, Thomas Shaling de Herda is is obviously the the director of scouting at Charlotte, um, and he comes from a Dutch football background, uh, worked at PSV and and AZ. That background, you see so many players come from those teams, wide players, flash playmakers, kind of who who come into that club either from youth or or signed for small fees. Um, and some don't work out, but very often players do work out and either they contribute very well for the for the club or they contribute really well for the club and then get sold for very, very high fees. And that comes from uh, something that teams, even even bigger clubs across the world do. You, you look at the, the powerhouses of like European football, they always have loads of lots of of wingers young wingers on the books because those are the players where and not to be too cynical about it they are the buy low sell high players um of football whether that's to actually get a high fee in return for them or whether that you can get them for a low fee and they contribute highly and you're such a big club you'll never have to sell them and they'll give you a great return on the field so that's something which i think should be pointed out like it, it, it can become a thing like, you know, why do we have so many wingers? We have this many wingers. Oh my God, we signed another winger. It's, it, I think that it's part of a larger strategy it, that that position has such high variance, but also has such large returns if you can hit on just a couple because it's such an important position in the game. You, we, it got mentioned earlier in the podcast, like, you know, when we were talking about Enzo Capetti, like, you know, defense wins, you know, defense wins championships is the, is, is the cliche, but in football, it's not really like that. Goals will win championships. And that's what wingers will bring. They'll bring chance creation. They will bring goals. And if you can, you know, throw enough darts at the dartboard, so to speak, with that position, it's something that will bring with the variance that is, 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 involved in it it's a position that you want to be taking a lot of chances at unlike center back unlike central midfield so i think that that strategy probably deserves some explaining because i think there'll be charlotte fc uh, charlotte fc fans who think you know why do we have so many of these players on the books um who are wingers and hopefully me talking about it now will will maybe give some light to it and you know so i do i do think that is the strategy I'm, I'm going to step in here because actually I had not thought of it quite the way that you're talking about it here. And it does make a lot of sense. Um, if you look at the most effective attacking teams in the world, most of their chance and threat creation comes from the wings. Um, if you look at probably the best team in the world right now in Arsenal. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I had to, <laughs> I had to throw it in there. Um, if you look at the premier league leaders in Arsenal, uh, you know, they have two very young dynamic explosive threats coming off of their wings that's where most of the chance creation comes from if you look at you know the sort of last eight ten years of dominance in football you're looking at manchester city and 
look back at their wingers for the past, you know, eight, 10 years, that is where their, their dominance has come from. Uh, if you look at Liverpool, look at where their dominance comes from. There's a lot of really effective attacking teams that create their threat via the wings. So it doesn't make sense to sort of throw quite a few darts at the dartboard in that sense, because if one of them lands, the return is incredible. Uh, I am going to move us along from this uh, just because I want to get in really quick to uh, what we're going to be seeing in the new the new era of the MLS. We are moving on, and we're now going to be able to watch all of the games in one space. And whether you like it or not, it is going to be on Apple TV. And so I'm going to ask Josh, uh, can you sort of walk us through what's going on with the the Apple TV news? Sure, yeah. So um, Apple TV has exclusive rights um, for the most part to MLS this year. I think there's like one or two games that are going to be broadcast on like Fox or something. Um, but 99% of the time when you want to go watch an MLS game, any team, it's going to be through um, Apple TV. The good news, if you're a season ticket holder for any club and specifically for Charlotte, obviously, is that you will get this um, MLS season pass for free with your season tickets. If you're not a season ticket holder, though, uh, it's going to cost you $14.99 a month or $99 for the entire season. If you're not an Apple TV subscriber, if you are an Apple TV subscriber, they give you a bit of a discount, $12.99 per month or $79 for the season. Um, in the grand scheme of sports season passes, it's actually a, not a bad deal. Um, for reference, you know, MLB is, I think, $130. Um, I mean, the NFL uh, pass is a lot more expensive. Um, so, you know, if you're able to afford it, it could be a really good thing. And it doubles along with the fact that it looks like Apple is really going to be going hard with MLS. Um, so while it is another subscription service, um, they are have a lot of plans for it. Um, it was it was brought out that basically Apple is going to have their uh, requirements for clubs. So each club is going to have to produce quite a bit of content actually for this season pass um, to the point where there are some clubs that are a little nervous about how much. So some things that will be produced are. Um, episodes about iconic players, which should be fun for a, a two-year-old team and a team like St. Louis that's an expansion team. Um, but other things like, you know, focusing on rituals of the clubs, um, doing updates on um, the youth squad, doing updates on the first team. There's a lot of content that they want to put out, which I think makes this price point even more appealing aside from just... Um, you know, being able to watch everything. Additionally, news broke that uh, Eric Krakauer is in the running to be an announcer on there. I don't know if that's official. Sam Lloyd is also in the running, um, but they have been strongly linked with it. So if you want to continue to hear those guys calling games, it looks like you might be able to on Apple. That's really good to hear because I think that they are some of the more universally loved people at Charlotte FC. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people like how they how they put in work and to hear that they at least have a shot of continuing with Apple TV will be nice. Um, I, I have to admit, I was one of the people who I, I struggle with watching certain sports because it is so challenging to find out 
where am I going to watch this one? How am I going to acquire this link? How am I going to, you know, uh, the concept of if it works, that there will just be no thought about it. You, especially as a season ticket holder, which I will admit helps that I have a season ticket. Um, I have one place I can go for everything. I hope it is going to be as nice as I think it can be. And if it is that nice, it will be worth it to me. But I can definitely understand how there's a lot of concern about how Apple is continuously expanding and how a lot of things continuously expand. And this is going to be one more thing that now falls under the Apple umbrella. So buckle up, everybody. We're going to find out where this goes. Uh, you and final thoughts on how the Apple conglomerate will now own MLS? Uh, well, I'm hopeful it'll impact us in a major way over in the UK because Guy Sports currently have the rights to the MLS. Um, but that's to the extent of one game on a Saturday and one game on a Sunday. So hopefully the Apple deal will give people an opportunity to watch, have a chance to watch a lot of football in one place for a quite affordable price. Um, so that's my hope with it. And, and especially as someone who follows Charlotte FC, I'm hoping that it's going to be a very simple way to follow them without, like you say, the complications of having to go through this and go through that. Um, it'll hopefully just be a service that works similarly to, you know, NFL Game Pass and NBA League Pass. You know, you just pay the subscription, log on there, and there you go. You've got every single game live just waiting for you to to click on and and watch and uh yeah I, I'm, I'm hopeful and in terms of hopefully that will be major in terms of growth of the league because eventually mls is is trying to break into the you know u.s market in a larger way i know that's something that's emphasized i, I can't speak on that too much but a larger goal will hopefully to be you know to cultivate a global audience and i think that 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 doing it this way should hopefully, you know, by advertising, advertisement by word of mouth, by high-profile players coming to the league, if Apple can put together a product that's really good for a, for a decent price, hopefully it'll be able to have a global impact as well. Yeah, well. As much as it is for, you know, just people in the US as, as the sport continues to grow. So I'm optimistic for it. Obviously hopeful that, that Eric Krakauer and, and, and Lloyd Sam will be our commentators again because I enjoyed listening to them uh, last season. Um, so yeah, generally optimistic about the uh, the news that's come out so far. Yeah, and uh, just a really clean package could just you know even if it doesn't immediately go global, which you know we hope for the best. Hopefully, it continues to grow the sport here in you know North America, where we have a very exciting national team, and hopefully, continuing to get kids you know watching football and enjoying the game and 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 growing up into the next generation of players. It could be really really good. So here's looking at you, Apple. We are going to go ahead and start to wrap it up there. Uh, as ever, if you've decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday with hopefully more news. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.